0: As they are dismissed, let me share with you the importance of the day I have been pastoring now for 20 years And I have noticed a need within the local church And for the last three years, it's been a burden and a dream We have been given a vision And that vision is that God would move us forward When we say, okay, we're moving forward We get an idea of present reality That's where I am And we sense through much prayer and pursuit of God where he'd like to take us. That's the vision reality. And then he helps us to build a pathway from where we are to where he would like us to be. We will advance in the pathways of worship and community, discipleship and outreach. Today is all about discipleship. There is a deep stirring word in me for every one of us as followers of Christ. And it is going to be a word to you as parents, coaches, educators, influencers, and and let me sum up all of those different facets of influence as disciple makers. For God has created us to love him and to love people. The high calling of loving people is to have Christ formed in them. The high calling is to make disciples. I want you to go with me to Mark chapter 2, and let's allow the greatest transformational leader of all time, Jesus Christ, to inspire us by his example in the calling upon our lives. Mark chapter 2, and I'll begin reading at verse 23. One Sabbath, it was a Sabbath day as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God. It was during the days when Abiathar was high priest, and he broke the law by by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Now, Jesus, this great communicator. He does something that is genius. He challenges these Pharisees among whom if anybody understood Old Testament scripture, it would be that group. He starts by saying, have you read the scriptures? That would have brought these Pharisees to a place of such attentiveness because that was a direct challenge to them and it lets us know that Jesus is about to challenge the status quo for great educators will always find ways to create tension and then manage the tension in order to make a point so that people might be transformed and I would like to spend an entire message on that unique dimension of education But my focus is really not what he said to the Pharisees. It's in this multi-level communication what his disciples would have heard. When Jesus says, have you read the scriptures about David and his mighty men? Jesus, the master teacher that would always teach at different levels at the same time, is not only challenging the status quo of the moral police called the Pharisees, but he's also have, he also has these disciples that are watching and listening. And he is now bringing in a word that will be catalytic to their advancement. And in that, he is showing us what disciples ma- disciple makers are to do. In this, he shows us what education is about, influencing is all about. If he is going to bring out a thought of David and his companions, in this story... He is trying to say to these Pharisees that his disciples would be like the companions of King David, the epic king. Well, what about those companions? What are Jesus' disciples hearing when they are likened to these companions of David? Well, let's go to 1 Chronicles and let's find out. This is 1 Chronicles 11, and we'll pick up the reading at verse 10. These are the leaders of David's mighty warriors. Together with all Israel, they decided to make David their king, just as the Lord had promised concerning Israel. Here is the record of David's mightiest warriors. The first was Josh Bean, the Hakmonite, who was the leader of the three, the mightiest warriors among David's men. Let me pause right there and say, what a name. I'm Ron from Tulsa. This is Joshua being the hackmanite. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. Next in rank among the three was Eleazar, son of Dodai, a descendant of Ahoya. He was with David in the battle against the Philistines at pas The battle took place in a field full of barley and the Israelite army Fled, but Eleazar and David held their ground in the middle of the field and beat back the Philistines. So the Lord saved them by giving them a great victory, for I am Maximus. Excuse me, back to the text. Verse 20. Abishai, the brother of Joab, was the leader of the thirty. He once used his spear to kill 300 enemy warriors in a single battle. It was by such feats that he became as famous as the three power rangers. Abishai was the most famous of the 30 and was their commander, though he was not one of the three. Oh, I love verse 22. There was also Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, A valiant warrior from Kabzil. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and he killed it. What an awesome day. Once armed with only a club, he killed an Egyptian warrior who was seven and a half feet tall. So that lets me know Benaiah and I were probably about the same size. Because when you're seven and a half feet tall, that's really tall to somebody like me. His spear was as thick as a weaver's beam. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and he killed him with it. Deeds like these made Benaiah as famous as the three mightiest warriors. Now back to Mark 2, as Jesus says, have you read the scriptures about David and his companions? What must his disciples felt like when they say, did you hear what Jesus just said? He just compared us to David's mighty men. How empowering must that have been Jesus showing us one of the great challenges of all disciple makers, educators, influences, parents or coaches. He's showing us that we must believe that those that we influence are capable of greatness. Here's what Jesus said in John 14, verse 12. He's talking about his union with God and he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. Now notice the next phrase. It's overwhelming. And even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Do you see in that verse the tremendous faith that Jesus has in those whom he has created? The reason this is important is taught to us out of what happened in Exodus when God is giving the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, he says, would be given to a group of people that if they would live by those commandments, they would be set apart to then influence the nations in the ways of God. It's speaking of a divine assignment on the people of God. And notice what happens when he gives those commandments, and then we read this in Exodus 20, verse 18. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashing of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance and they trembled with fear. Now, I believe exactly the word, that it was geographical. They physically stood at a distance, but I think it illustrates something that's going on in their heart. At the divine assignment to make a difference, they stood at a distance. They stood at a distance. There is something within everyone because of the bent of sin that wants to keep us from the sacred calling. When God says to Moses at the burning bush, I have a divine assignment for you, Moses says, who am I when Gideon was threshing grain there in the wine vat it would be like practicing your golf stroke in a closet just doesn't work but he's there because he's afraid an angel of God comes into that space and addresses him as a valiant warrior and then tells him about a divine assignment And Gideon responds by saying, I can't do that. I am the least of my family. And my family is of the least of all of the tribes. Moses to Gideon, Jeremiah, you just name it. They all at the divine assignment had a tendency to stand at a distance. There is a divine assignment upon every student In our lives, upon every child in our lives. And when confronted with the sacred, noble path that God has for each of us, we tend to stand at a distance. Thus, the need for disciple makers, educators to step in and declare to our students that you have, by the power and truth of God, what it takes to be who God has created you to be. Why? Because we're given maps. If I'm here in Tulsa, but I have a map of Chicago, then I have misinformation, and I can't possibly get from where I am to where I need to be. We have students who have maps filled with information that defines them by a test score. What someone has said about them. Something they have done. Or something someone has done to them. That fills their minds with misinformation. And as a result, they misinterpret the future. The gift of tomorrow is misinterpreted and then missed altogether. As students stand at a distance not feeling equal or able to fulfill the divine assignment. Thus the reason to follow Jesus' example and say with such faith as we look into the eyes of those that we are influencing that you have what it takes. Not because of who you are, but because of who you are and we give them an entirely new map that allows them to interpret the future in faith and passion to apprehend the very reason for which they are apprehended that is education Ephesians 4 God said he had given pastors evangelists and listen to this next one Teachers. Why did he give teachers? Because before any one of your students were created, God had foreordained good works. And someone has to come along inspired of God to call forth what God has invested and to be used by God so that those good works can start happening. The overwhelming blessing of being charged with the task of helping a student mature and come to the fullness of Christ and to be who they're created to be and to do what they are created to do, delivered from inferiority, insecurity, guilt, shame, what someone has said, done. It doesn't matter. A student released into the future. For God says over every student, Behold, I have created you. I know you and for you I have given a future and a hope. May the assembly rise up and deliver hope to everyone that we influence. Oh, here's, here's the deal. Part of my life mission and part of the mission of the assembly, I want it to be this. Your potential is my mission. For every educator, your student's potential, that is your mission. For I'm not just to teach curriculum, I'm teaching students. I said to the early service when I first started lead pastoring and preaching over 20 years ago, With great fear, I walked to the platform every Sunday, 23 years old, preaching to people of all, preaching to the very people that kept me in the nursery. That's intimidating. And I would walk off of the platform at the end of the day, and when I was able to communicate the content, I would say, Thank you, Jesus. I was able to get the message out. In some clear strategic impact. For when I would receive a message, I'm receiving it from the Lord who is perfect. And I'm hearing it from him. And it builds in my heart with such perfection. But then when it would come through me and when it comes through me, it's so far from the way I hear it. And I would often leave the platform going, God, that did not come out. The way you gave it to me. Lord, I'm gonna be the key to this church not growing if that keeps happening. And the Lord had to deal with me deeply that I wasn't just out there delivering a message, I was out there influencing people. And it's not just the body of information, it's not just content that I'm trying to hash out to you, it's you. Somehow in the sovereignty of God, you have walked into this room today. And so I'm just not up here saying, okay, I'm moving from this point to this point. Thank you, Jesus. That seemed to go okay. Help me to get through this one now. Oh, hallelujah, I'm watching you as I am talking, hoping that a light is coming on, hoping that a connection is being made because the teacher hadn't taught until the student has learned. And it's not about just getting out information. It is about the transformational power of God as he worked through a clay vessel. I am not just teaching curriculum. I am teaching people. When the quarterback drops back to pass, he doesn't pass the ball and turn around and go back to the huddle and say, my job's done. No, he's watching to see if the receiver catches the ball. Because success is not just throwing the pass. It's when the receiver also catches the ball. Success is when the light is coming on with our followers. And they're starting to believe that they can be who God has created them to be. Oh, thank God for the high calling of disciple making, educating, influencing. I want you to watch a presentation. And may it bring us to a point of commitment as influencers. Will you watch this?
1: As she stood in front of her fifth grade class, on the first day of school, she told the children an untruth. Like most teachers, she looked at her students and said that she loved them all the same. However, that was impossible, because there in the front row, slumped in his seat, was a little boy named Teddy Stallard. Miss Thompson had watched Teddy the year before, and noticed that he didn't play well with other children, that his clothes were messy, and that he constantly needed a bath. And Teddy could be unpleasant. It got to the point where Miss Thompson would actually take delight in marking his papers with a broad red pen, making bold X's, and then putting a big F at the top of his papers. At the school where Miss Thompson taught, she was required to review each child's past records, and she put Teddy's off until the last. However, when she reviewed his file, she was in for a surprise. Teddy's first grade teacher wrote, Teddy is a bright child with a ready laugh. He does his work neatly and has good manners. He is such a joy to be around. His second grade teacher wrote, Teddy is an excellent student, well-liked by his classmates, but he is troubled because his mother has a terminal illness and life at home must be a struggle. His third grade teacher wrote, His mother's death has been hard on him. He tries to do his best, but his father doesn't show much interest and his home life will soon affect him if some steps aren't taken. Teddy's fourth grade teacher wrote, Teddy is withdrawn and doesn't show much interest in school. He doesn't have many friends, and he sometimes sleeps in class. By now, Miss Thompson realized the problem, and she was ashamed of herself. She felt even worse when her students brought her Christmas presents wrapped in beautiful ribbons and bright paper, except for Teddy's. His present was clumsily wrapped in heavy brown paper that he got from a grocery bag. Miss Thompson took pains to open it in the middle of the other presents. Some of the students started to laugh when she found a rhinestone bracelet with some of the stones missing and a bottle that was one quarter full of perfume, but she stifled the children's laughter when she exclaimed how pretty the bracelet was, putting it on and dabbing some of the perfume on her wrist. Teddy Stallard stayed after school that day just long enough to say, Miss Thompson, today you smell just like my mom used to. After the children left, she cried for at least an hour. On that very day, she quit teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. Instead, she began to teach children. Miss Thompson paid particular attention to Teddy. As she worked with him, his mind began to come alive. The more she encouraged him, the faster he responded. By the end of the year, Teddy had become one of the smartest children in the class, and despite her lie that she would love all the children the same, Teddy became one of her teacher's pets. A year later, she found a note under her door from Teddy telling her that she was the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. six years went by before she got another note from Teddy. He then wrote that he had finished high school third in his class, and she was still the best teacher he ever had in his whole life. Four years after that, she got another letter, saying that while things had been tough at times, he'd stayed in school. He'd stuck with it, and would soon graduate from college with the highest of honors. Again, he assured Miss Thompson that she was still the best and favorite teacher he'd ever had. Then four more years passed, and yet another letter came. After he got his bachelor's degree, he had decided to go a little further. She was still the best and favorite teacher he'd ever had. But now, his name was a little longer. The letter was signed, Theodore F. Stallard, M.D. The story does not end here. There was yet another letter that spring. Teddy said he'd met this girl and was going to be married. He explained that his father had died a couple of years ago, and he was wondering if Miss Thompson might agree to sit at the wedding in the place that was usually reserved for the mother of the groom. Of course Miss Thompson did, and guess what? She wore that bracelet, the one with several rhinestones missing. Moreover, she made sure that She was wearing the perfume that Teddy remembered his mother wearing on their last Christmas together. They hugged each other, and Dr. Stallard whispered in Miss Thompson's ear, thank you for believing in me. Thank you so much for making me feel important and showing me that I could make a difference. Miss Thompson, with tears in her eyes, whispered back. She said, Teddy, you have it all wrong. You were the one who taught me that I could make a difference. I didn't know how to teach until I met you. You can never tell what type of impact you may have on another's life by your actions or lack of action. Please consider this fact in your venture through life, and just try to make a difference in someone else's life today.
0: It seems that in Mark 2, Jesus captured a moment, and he created a place where the kingdom could happen. What what do I mean by that? As educators, I think that's what we're doing. I think we're trying to take our time and our responsibilities, our assignments, the space we're given, and we're trying to transform it into a place where the kingdom could happen in the student's heart. In Mark 2, the Pharisees confront Jesus about a Sabbath regulation. But watch, Jesus takes the time, that time, that moment and transforms it into where the kingdom could happen in the hearts of his disciples as he responds to the Pharisees with a story that would allow them to realize how he saw them and the strong faith he had in their potential that he would liken them to these great mighty men how empowering there's a great man in this church his name is Pastor Brummett His son, one of his sons, is Jim. He's a pastor in Colorado. But years ago, he was my youth pastor. And he was a master at taking time and space and turning it into a place where the kingdom could happen. One time, he invited me on a camping trip. And in the dark of night, we were playing this game where people were trying to find us. Jim Brummett took me and he said, let's climb in the top of this tree. They'll never find us. And so we did. We were having a lot of fun and laughing our heads off at just all kinds of things. But knowing no one would ever find us, he then took that moment and he transformed it to where the kingdom started happening in my heart. And he spoke words to me about me. He saw something in me I didn't see in myself. And something broke through. Something was unleashed in my spirit. Because somebody created a place where the kingdom could happen. What we're trying to do with every day, with every opportunity in every classroom and every interaction is saying, God, I might be holding a conversation and teaching history, but yet at another level, let it be releasing and let it... Take the lid off of a student's life. I might be talking about chemistry, but Lord, let somehow there be an influence about potential. Lord, let my mission be the potential of those that I'm influencing. I want to ask every school administrator to stand, if you will. Every school administrator. And I want to specifically recognize Dan Giddens, the superintendent of Summit Christian Academy. All the other administrators, would you stand? And then let me ask every teacher to stand. Everybody, those of you standing, remain standing. And now all teachers, if you have a role of teaching, a role in education, I want you to stand. And it would just be such an honor to me to pray for you, but I think we could all focus better. Would you be so kind to step out to the nearest aisle and just come forward? And let me pray with you. Just step out and and walk forward. And church, can we show our love and support to this incredible number of people that are here today? This is an incredible response. Quite honestly, in some ways and in some cases, you're going to have more time with students than their own parents. And you are a shaping influence. You are going to give that that new map, that God-positioning system in the worldview of a student that can actually lead them from where they are to where God wants them to be. Whatever the topic, whatever the class Yet the highest calling is to recognize and call forth that greatness, that noble calling. And every student will tend to stand at a distance. That's just the bent of sin in us. But we get to show them the remedy for that fallen condition. And then just take the lid off of a life and watch what will happen. My greatest goal as a leader is that someday there would be a legacy of Joshua Beams, Eleazar, Abishai's, Benaiah's, who by my influence felt like they could do things through the help of God. I'm up here today because Jim Brummett believed in me, my teacher. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every man and woman standing here. They have given themselves to the process of preparation to present themselves equipped, credentialed to be educators. But Lord, it's more than degrees, it's a calling, a holy calling. One that we take with such seriousness and excitement that we get to speak into the heart and shape the thinking of disciples. Lord, not only what we say, but how we say it. May we say it and show it. May we communicate. Not just, Lord giving a curriculum but teaching students we just pray for your help your enablement your empowerment to be difference makers I pray for every one of these influencers just your strength and your wisdom if they find a story in their classroom like the story we saw on the screen may there be sensitivity wisdom And then may they be a cheerleader to help a kid be released into a God-ordained life. I pray, God, for this to be the best year ever. I pray your blessings upon every day, upon every moment, upon every class, upon every lecture, upon every interaction. May they turn the classroom into a place where the kingdom can happen in Jesus name we pray and everyone said amen